this morning. I just want to uh, I I start it a little different. Instead of getting right into the text where I'm going, I heard something that really disturbed me. It said the American Bible Society did a study. And they said by 2040, America is going to look like England. What I mean by that, England is a post-Christian era today. In the 1700s and later, with John Wesley and the great movements of Methodism and the Wesley movement and other people, man, there was a fire of the Holy Spirit. And little by little, the big edifices, the big churches of England had become museums. And their culture is now post-Christian culture. And if we're not careful, our culture is quickly sliding that way. So here's why I tell you that. I preach the whole Word of God with great joy in my heart. Some texts are just fun. Some texts are okay. Some texts are just difficult. It's like this. Sometimes I have to give you spinach. And some of you are like, I don't like spinach. I don't like spinach. You want dessert every week. I can't give you dessert every week. Sometimes you get meat. Oh, I love meat. You're like, I'm a vegetarian. Sometimes you get cauliflower, okay? Sometimes you get whatever. But I'm going to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God, and I'm not going to apologize for it, church. Amen? And you need to know that because one day, if you're in Jesus Christ and you get presented to the Father by Jesus, he's going to talk to you about your faithfulness and your growth. And let me tell you, the Bible says don't presume to be teachers and pastors. Your judgment will be strict. Deal with that one for a while. It keeps me awake at night. Thinking of the the calling on my life to proclaim God's word to you is sacred and holy. Pray for me because I will answer for you. But hey, you're like, oh man, I'm glad glad you're the pastor. Man, you answer for me. No, no, you're going to answer for yourself too. So you're going to get the whole word. So this morning, I'm going to go to a passage. I bet you never even read. If you had, you know, I mean, I flipped through that kind of quick, you know. Flip over to Nahum. 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 You're like, wow, where is that? It's in the Old Testament, okay? Man, it's a, it, it, it's a little story here that you're just like, man, I'm, this is, this is going to be a tough one. It's on, uh, well, that didn't even, it's on page 873. Does that help anybody? Okay. And... Uh, Nahum, Nahum is a, a prophet, and he delivers a sober message, harsh, prophetic judgment from the Lord. He's not the guy that people invite over for the barbecue. That's, that's kind of the way it is with prophets. A lot of times they're just not real popular. He's, he's got a message of, of judgment. Now, verse 7 uh, is, is the passage that, that I just really, really like because that particular passage is right there written on the top of your worship notes. It says, The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. I love verse 7. I, matter of fact, I got an underline. I got a highlight in my Bible. You can circle it on your notes. That is a great verse. The Lord is good. And everybody said... He is. Amen. A strong refuge when trouble comes, and trouble is going to come. He is close, and I want him to be close, to those that trust him. Now, if I just talk to you about that verse, you're like, man, that's a, that's a positive message. I, I, I like that one, Pastor. Man, you can share that one. You can put that on my tombstone. But what I'm saying is the word Nahum means comfort or consolation. Write that in your notes. His name just means I'm bringing consolation to the people. I'm bringing comfort through judgment. 
See, you have to speak the oracles, the messages of God. As you speak those, it's kind of hard. And if you read, just read this book sometime. It's only about three chapters. It's really short, and it's a, it's a message of, of judgment. We'll, we'll look at that in a minute. But I want to talk to you about this word refuge. The word refuge is a word that is, is healthy. It brings peace. It brings comfort to the troubled soul, as Scripture says. It means protection shields me from hardship and danger in my life. It's a place that provides provision, protection, and shelter. It's a source of relief in times of trouble. Has anybody been in trouble lately? Yeah. Will you get in trouble? Yeah, you're breathing, ain't you? And you need a place to go to, the rock, the shelter that is higher than us. My stepmom's in the hospital right now. She's 85 years old. She's got a sharp mind. Body's really tough. Been, been really cruel to her the last few years. She took a bad fall this week. She fell out of the bed trying to get up. And then she got trapped. She had her medic alert a bracelet around her, bracelet, her necklace around her neck, but she got disoriented because some of the medication and she didn't click it. You know, she usually does that. Paramedics, paramedics know on our first name basis, okay? By the time my sister got over there, she for a while. She told me a story in the last couple of days. She goes, I've only got one that I can cry out to, Keith. It's always faithful, and it's Jesus. She goes, I was screaming out to Jesus. I was screaming that somebody might hear me screaming. In her house, she lives alone. She's kind of uh, independent and stubborn. We got any people like that in the room? She wants to live by herself. And, and I was just thinking about it. I said, man, that's it. She wants to make Christ, not just her eternal refuge. She wants to make Christ her refuge every day, the protector from the storm. So she had a storm this week physically. We might have a storm physically. I hear about young people all the time. And I hear about older people. People are always in, in challenges and marriages and relationships and car wrecks and sicknesses and whatever. But there's a shelter. There's a protector. There's a refuge. If I didn't have this hope, I certainly wouldn't come up here every morning and preach to you on Sundays. But he's an everlasting God. His, his name means strength. So let's move through this together today. So Nahum presents God as a refuge. Nahum wrote this. 150 years after Jonah. Now, I've preached on Jonah a whole four-week series. I won't do that today. But remember, Jonah had to go and preach to the Ninevites. He didn't like the Ninevites. He wasn't going to Nineveh. He escaped. He ran. He got swallowed by the big fish. It's a heck of a fish story. And uh, he gets spit up, regurgitated, vomited, all the gastric juices. Doesn't that make you feel good? Want to go eat right now? And, and he finally repents, and he goes, and he preaches to the Ninevites, but he don't like the Ninevites, and the Ninevites repent. And it's a great story. But 150 years later, they had forgotten about the message of Jonah, the greatness of God. And they got into all kind of sin. And Nahum writes about judgment, impending judgment. That's what I, that's, you're saying, oh, now I know why you opened like you did. Uh -huh. See, I try to do things for a purpose. See, I got to tell you, there's a judgment awaiting us that aren't in Jesus Christ. There's a judgment for us that won't repent of our sin. And Nahum, small little book, and we have to choose our attitudes and our reactions and how we'll respond to Jesus Christ. See, write it in your notes somewhere. Repentance had worn off. And the people were stubborn and calloused and hard-hearted. 
and they wanted to have nothing to do with God. They, they sunk deep into their sin. That's just the nature of sin. It's an unparalleled wickedness. But the Bible says, look here in Nahum chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord is a jealous God filled with ven- vengeance and rage. The scripture says that God was angry. What makes God angry? Sin. He can't stand to stand in the presence of it. He offered up his very son that we could participate in Holy Communion and get our sins forgiven. And I think, wow, what a Christ. And yet the people of Nineveh were arrogant, boastful, prideful, consumed with themselves and said, nothing will ever take us. We are man. We are woman. Hear us roar. We are strong. Nothing will overwhelm us. And four generations have passed since the story of Jonah preaching, proclaiming the gospel, and the people won't repent. So pride sits in. So the message comes. Here's a couple things you'll do with sin. You'll weep and you'll listen to a prophet. And that's what I hope we do. We'll be broken. We'll cry. We'll repent. We'll listen to the word of the Lord. Or we might weep because we got caught and just regret that we got caught and not change our way. So Nahum, some of you are probably intrigued now. I'm hoping I'm setting it up to where you'll go, you know what? I'm going to read this. I think Nahum, it could just have across there. Uh, don't make me come down there. <laughs> I mean, have you ever thought about God and said, hey, don't make me come down there? I mean, have you ever been, you ever been with your kids and they got in a mess and you say, oh, here, here it is. Here, you know what I'm doing right now. I'm going to illustrate it. I just thought of this illustration. It's a little scary when preachers think of stuff this quick. Don't make me come back there. I'll wear you out. Hey, Daddy, watch the road. Oh, okay. Anybody ever happen to you besides me? You know what I'm saying? And you don't want your daddy to come in the back seat. The fear of God comes up in that back seat. No, 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 sir. I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my hands off my brother right now. Have my hands around his neck or something. You know, I don't know. I have my hands on his toy. I, actually, I didn't have my hands on my brother's neck because he was five years old. He was bigger than me. And now I'm bigger than him. Isn't that awesome? That's mercy. But you know what? I want to report good news today. We don't fight. Isn't that good? Yeah, your preacher doesn't fight. I want to for five minutes so I can win. Then we can go back to being brothers. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it's just, just a thought. Just I know I'm a little warped. I need Jesus. Okay, just so do you. All right, here we go. Get ready to fill in the outline. There is a limit to God's patience. We think we can just assume and presume on the mercy of God. It's a scary place to be, people. And God is limited in his patience. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 just says, My spirit will not contend. It will not strive with man forever. We think, God, tomorrow I'll come to Christ. Tomorrow I'll make it right. Tomorrow I'll reconcile. Tomorrow I'll repent. Tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow, tomorrow. What you boasting about tomorrow? You didn't know if tomorrow's coming. You got it right now. And that's it. And Christ says, make it right from this prophet. Matter of fact, as I, if you read on through in verse 7, a strong refuge when trouble comes. But over around verse 6, it says, the river gates are thrown open, the palace collapses. Some archaeologists uncovered the remains of this particular territory. And way beneath the flood waters, uh, there had been all these uh, past wars that had been fought. And they found all this stuff. And so complete was the destruction. Because God said, I'm going to judge Nineveh. I'm going to destroy. I'm going to wipe out Nineveh. And he did. Man, don't let that be of us. God, don't wipe us out. Cover us. 
by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. See, I want to say this to you. This is, you, you hear that and you go, well, I heard the Ninevites were really wicked people and they did a lot of bad stuff. They were. But God judges nations. Did you know that? And sometimes I wonder if God's judging America for our sin and our idolatry and for our abortion and for our murders and for all the sins that we commit as a national people. And, and Scripture says, Proverbs 29.1, some people are still stubborn after they've been corrected many times. They will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. God, I, I prayed a lot for our nation. God, have mercy on America. I, I love this nation. I love living here. I love the opportunities that it's afforded me, that it affords you. I love the freedom of worship as Tony prayed for us this morning when we gathered. But we're also a sinful, prideful, rebellious people, and we've got to get this right. I think the remnant of God keeps us from destruction. Let's move on through here. You're saying, man, you're, you're getting into this too much. Fill in here, a refuge of rest. That's who God is. He's a refuge for the weary. He's a refuge. He's a shelter. He's a protector for the people that are tired. In Psalm 91, listen to God's word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. That's who God is. He's a place to go. He's a place to hide. You could do a study on your own about refuge or hiding place or shelter or protection, and you'll see this over and over. When the trials of life and the terror of life, when the temptations of life come, when whatever comes in life, he's the one to run to. He's the one to be covered by. He's the one to say, God, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, Lord. In Psalm 9, 9, listen to this. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord is a refuge. He's a place of rest for those in trouble. And when I look lately, we get in trouble. We're prone to wander. Would anybody agree with me this morning? We're just prone to blow it and to mess up and to need some covering, to need some forgiveness, to need some grace, to need some mercy. And God says, run to me. Refuge. And in the Hebrew, it means the high cliff. It means the lofty place of God, the place that is inaccessible, a high fort. It's the high place. And that's where I'm, I'm wanting you to go this morning. I want you to go to a high place with your heavenly father, with Abba, with God. I want you to, to run to Christ and say, Lord, I want to hide in you. I want to compare. I want to be like David, but I want to, I want to have a heart that seeks after you, Lord. David knew that places that he could be safe, that he could be protected, that there was safety in the presence of the Lord. He learned all that on the hillside, tending sheep. He learned it in battle as he sought after God. And I'm just wondering this morning as I look at Nahum, as I look at Scripture, I go, God, you're our refuge. Listen to write down. It's not in your notes. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you. That's comfort of Holy Scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 2 and 4. Listen to God's word. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent men you saved me. I call to the Lord who's worthy of praise, and I'm saved from my enemies. Thanks be to God. He delivers us. Have you been delivered lately? I've been delivered from situations. If you're in Christ, you've been delivered from stuff you probably weren't even aware of. Maybe you were aware of it. 
And I'm just trying to build a biblical text today that you'll run there. In Psalm, right now, 62, verse 1, David says, My soul finds rest and in God alone. Did you hear Hannah and the team today? They sang, In Christ alone. Jesus Christ is supreme, and Jesus Christ is sufficient, and Jesus Christ is sovereign, and Jesus Christ is sanctifier, and Jesus Christ is the source of joy and strength. And Jesus Christ is my shield. He's your shield. He's your refuge. And the mantle that I have as pastor, the things I walk in, I'm in battle all the time. Battle a lot more than I ever know. Met with a young man this morning that has a call in his life. And I said, welcome to the battle. The battle sticks in to get more fierce. Anytime that you pursue Jesus Christ, there is a battle. Do I have a witness in this room today? Now, if you don't want to do battle and you don't want your life to count for God, don't do anything. Just oppress him, afflict him, be prideful. I don't encourage that, but the devil won't mess with you because, I mean, he's already got you. But when you live for Christ, there's a fierce battle. Sometimes I get up and I'm like, the other day I got attacked. you, You can't even imagine how I get attacked as pastor, folks. I'm human. You're like, well, that's good. I got emotions. I used to really want to be a man pleaser. I got over that about 10 years ago. But I still want to be loved. And I want to be authenticated. And I want to be appreciated. And when people bruise me and come against me, it hurts. And I go to a dark place. And by the spirit of the living Christ, I rise up. And the other day, I was having a tough day. I was on a mountain. Last weekend, I preached to hundreds and hundreds. Me and Donna, you'll love this. Don't tell anybody. Pastor preached at a bar last Sunday morning at 8.30. 300 people showed up, filled up the tiki huts and the outside and the offerings. It was, it was, just, they just, it was cool, you know. And I went to the church and preached. I was on a mountain. I got here. Man, I went down to day camp. Kids were doing great. Leaders were amazing. Your volunteers here. I went, God, this is good. And boom, I got attacked right in the middle of the week, and I felt defeated. I left Jeff a note. Jeff, when you get here, buddy, come back quick. I need prayer, man. I'm in a battle. Do you have somebody you can call when you're praying? I mean, when you're, when you're fighting, when you're struggling? Hey, find it. Lord, I find. Here it is, three key words. Shelter, refuge, fortress. Write them down. God is a shelter, a refuge, a fortress. A shelter means a place to hide from your enemies. And you got enemies if you're in Christ. The Hebrew word refuge means a place to run for safety. Lord, I want to be in a safe place. And the word for fortress means the one who keeps me. And God keeps us. The psalmist says, the Lord is a hiding place for me. He's a safe place. I go there and I hide. Matter of fact, let's get into a little Hebrew here. You ready? Matter of fact, I messed up on number three, so just forgive me, okay? I made a serious mistake. Jeff tried to correct me. I wasn't listening. I don't know what I, don't know what I was doing. I'll be honest with you. I, somehow, I, I said, oh, I'll just leave it in there. It's good. And then when I was really going back, because I studied and studied and studied, and when I went back through it, I went, man, that makes no sense. You, you ever do anything dumb like that? Okay, well, you're perfect. Okay, well, anyway, you're, you're looking at flawed one. Okay, here we go. Number one, the Hebrew word for the most high is Elyon, Elyon, which means possession, 
He is the strong one. He takes possession of me. He's the owner of everything. 36 times in Scripture he's called that. In heaven and on earth, he possesses it all. He owns it all. He owns all the offering you gave this morning. He owns the offering you didn't give this morning. Y'all go ahead and give it to him. It's a smart thing to do. Number two, the, uh, the Hebrew word for Almighty is Shaddai, which means provision. The Lord is the God that provides for me. Philippians says, he meets all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God is my provision. I don't know about you. If I didn't have God, I'm convinced I would do some even dumber things than I do now because I run to the one that is Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. He is my provider. And the church said, I'm going to him. You're like, you know, I'm going to my daddy. My daddy got plenty of money. Well, I'm glad your daddy got plenty of money because his daddy ain't got plenty of money. According to the world, I do, though. I'm so rich. But more than that, spiritually, I'm so rich in Christ. So we go to the one that is provision. Look at the third one. Now, just mark out the word trust. I didn't mean to put it right there, okay? I want you to trust, but it's the wrong word. I want you to write in there, the Lord, in quotation marks. The Lord. In Hebrew, it's just basically Jehovah. I am who I am. I am the great I am. Deal with it. He's the Lord. He's God. He's almighty He's ever-present. He's our refuge. He's his strength. He promises to care for his people. And the fourth thing, the word for Elohim, which means the Lord God is my power. God is your power source this morning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in New Testament living, we, we have the Holy Spirit, and he empowers us, and he fills us. But God says, I want to be your power. 2,700 times in Scripture we see that. My God, my God, you're my possession. You're my provision. You're my promise. You're my power. You're my God. I'm just preaching this word today because I think somebody needs to be encouraged in the Lord. And I think we need to get an eternal perspective of how great God is and how limited we are and how we need to run to him and make him our refuge and a shelter of strength. Look at it right there. Just draw a box around it. Our God is a shelter of strength. He's a refuge of rest. Lord, I need you. Lord, the people here need you something desperately. Lord, forgive us when we've tried to make it about us and when we've tried to do it our own, we've trusted in ourselves. But God, we're trying to learn how to trust in you. Lord, we want to learn to dwell in you. The Bible says, come near to God and God will come near to you, James 4, 8. God, I'm running to you. I'm drawing near. I'm tired of doing it myself. I'm going to focus. I want to have faith in you, Lord. Lord, remember, uh, the second thing I'd say here is, Lord, I want to rest. I want to relax. I want to be refreshed. I want to be renewed. Lord, I want to be restored. Lord, I just need you. You know, vacation this summer, a lot of you have taken vacation. Some of you might still go on vacation. I've had a couple of breaks. I love them. They recalibrate. They, they resurrect me. They, they encourage me. They're good for my body. They're good for my soul. Somebody said, you preach better when you come back. Amen. It's amazing, you know, when you, when you do it. I mean, don't you do things better when you, how about you? How many, I'll tell you what, if you don't believe you do better when you rest, stay up straight for the next 72 hours and I want you to go to work every day. And I promise you, everybody in work will beg you to stay home. If you want a day off, don't go to sleep for three days, and they will beg you to stay home. Just, just think about it. You're like, Keith, that is foolish. But we need rest for our souls. They're weary. We need to go to the one that is our refreshment. We, we calm down emotionally. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him. Slow down physically. I like this. I, I wish I'd had the other day when I preached on another topic. But it says, the seven ages of man, spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. Isn't that good? Listen to that. Spills, drills, thrills, pills, ills, pills, and wills. I should have just said drool. Yeah, I don't know. 
Have any of you found you drool a little more as you get older? Okay, well, I, I, I know you're much too sophisticated talking about drooling on your pillow. Oh, whatever. My granddaughter, I love it. She just drools all over, and it's so sanctified. It's awesome. When I drool, nobody goes, oh, bless him. How sweet it is. They go, gross. Get out of here. All right, yeah. all right. Now, we want the word rust, trust. Just trust in God. Just rest in him. Make him your refuge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lord, I want to rest in you. I want to trust in you, God. I need refuge for my soul, Lord. These, uh, I've tried to do it on my own, Lord. I'm not doing very good. I, I want you to be my defender and my protector because I run to you for, for rest. There's a passage here in Psalm 46. I want you to turn to Psalm 46 with me, will you? I really want you to read this Nahum sometime, but I want you to see Psalm 46, verse 1. The Word of God says, God is our refuge and strength, always, always, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, let the oceans roar and foam and let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in the city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. He's our refuge. He's our stronghold. He's our strength. He's our peace. So where is God in the earthquakes, in the floods, in the cancer, in the defeat, in the tough times of life? Where is he? Where he's always been. He's on high. He rules from the throne of heaven. And he's a good God. Somebody told me one time, I said, I got mad at God. I tell people all the time, I always give you permission. Get mad at God. Just don't stay there. Not a good thing to be mad at the Almighty forever. Be honest with him. Just don't get stuck. God is in control. How many of you believe God's in control of all the chaos going on in the world? He's over all that. He's sovereign over all that. Sin has invited all this mess into our world. But he's a perfect, righteous, holy God in refuge. He calms seas. He calms the sea of your heart. He's with us. The church, let me just say this to you this morning, thinking about refuge. The church should be a place of refuge. The church should protect people. There are people here today that maybe you were abused by somebody that worked with the children or youth years ago, and maybe you know people that have, that's happened. They never come back to the church of Jesus Christ. God help them. The church should be a safe place. The church shouldn't be a place of gossip and slander. The church should be a place of healing. Amen? We need to protect this place in our prayers, in our spirit, in our hearts, in our words, and in our worship. God, protect your house. I heard this years ago. The church is the only army that shoots its wounded. God, remove that spirit from the church. And help us to care for those that are bleeding spiritually and emotionally. Help us to get them back to health. Lord, the church. Have you thought about it for a minute? The home is the most dangerous place there is. 
The home is. It can also be the place that's safety and refuge and strength, but where do most accidents happen? In the home. So we've got to protect it. We've got to fight for it. Listen to Psalm 27.5. From the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. So sometimes when we enter into the church, it seems like a battle zone. It ought to be a comfort zone. Write that in your notes somewhere. The church should be a comfort zone, a comfort to the afflicted, a comfort for their soul, a place to find refuge as we point to Jehovah, as we point to God, as we point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, protect us. Jesus, wash over us. Jesus, make us strong. I want to tell you a quick thing here, and I'll wrap it up. In the Old Testament, there were places called cities of refuge. And in cities of refuge, they were places of uh, health and security and safety. Just write down Numbers chapter 35. Numbers 35, verses 11 through 15. And it talks about, they will be places of refuge from the avenger so that a person accused of murder may not die before he stands trial before the assembly. These six towns you give me will be your cities of refuge. Give three on this side of the Jordan and three in Canaan as cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for the Israelites, aliens, and any other people living among them so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee there because they are cities of refuge. Now, we don't have cities of refuge anymore. We don't have cities of refuge in America, but I'm thinking the church should be a, a place of solace, of comfort of refuge of shelter it should protect people that come in isaiah the prophet in the 25th chapter verse 4 listen to the word of the lord you've been a refuge for the poor a refuge for the needy and his distress a shelter for the storm and a shade from the heat lord thank you you protect so this morning i, I know you're going man I, I could preach for an hour i know i was gone last week and i preached twice you're like didn't you get your fill no i'm just revved up right now to be honest with you but I want to encourage you to make God your refuge and to build upon Jesus Christ and gaze upon his beauty and his presence. Listen to the word of the Lord. It says, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek in the 27th Psalm, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That's what we try to do at Christ Community. This is just an earthly tabernacle where the people of God gather to seek him, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I pray this morning somehow biblically from a prophet Nahum, from the psalmist to what God's given you as the Holy Spirit ministers to you, that you would make Christ your refuge. I'll go back to this story. As I heard my stepmom saying, I couldn't get off the floor. My feet were slipping across the wood. Nobody came, and I cried out to the one that could. I just kept calling Jesus, and eventually help came. Who are you crying out to today? Are you crying out to the one that can deliver? Are you crying out to the one that can defend? Are you crying out to the one that can heal? Are you crying out to the one that can help and give hope? Amen. Are you trusting in yourself? The Ninevites, they'd already heard a message of repentance. They said, we're too smart for repentance. We don't need to do that. The Bible gives an account that God was angry, very angry, and he wiped out the whole people. Oh, God, have mercy. 
Have mercy on us and give us strength. For you're an everlasting God and I run to you. I, I read this passage from Deuteronomy sometimes at graveside. Underneath his arms, he's a strong God, the everlasting refuge of God. If you're still taking a note, just put everlasting refuge is God. I go to him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm passionate about this word because I need it for my soul, but so do my friends. And Lord, forgive me and forgive them when we tried to acknowledge ourselves and be dependent on ourselves or even in man. But Lord, we repent this morning. We say, Lord, we want to depend on you and make you our refuge, a safe place, a hiding place, a shelter. God, shelter and protect our emotions and our heart and our physical bodies and our souls and our hearts. Would you be a refuge for our family? Would you be a refuge for our church? Until you call us to the eternal refuge of heaven, find us faithful. Cry out to Jesus. Salvation means one thing. It means deliverance. If you need salvation, cry to Jesus, and he will hear your prayer. And the people of God gathered on a humid, hot July morning and said, He's through. Amen.